Lifetime, the official athletic country club of the Minnesota Vikings, has something for every member of your family. Get your family going at lifetime.com forward slash kids. Did it feel like you were playing against somebody else, understanding that you used to play for the Green Bay Packers? It's like yes and no. Yeah. It was weird because like I'm used to going against the Packers offense, but then now it's in a different jersey. So it felt kind of surreal at first. Yeah, and I thought I was going to have the pick. You know, I saw it on film, and I tried to disguise it like I didn't know what was going on by taking a step back, and then I just shot it. And I shot it so fast that the receiver didn't even know I was there. So random call being the vet he is, he grabbed my left arm, so I couldn't really pull it in all the way. The Minnesota Vikings start the 2022 season 1-0, giving head coach Kevin O'Connell and new GM Quasi Adolfo Mensa their first win as well. This is the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I'm your host, Tatum Everett. Gabe Henderson and Jay Nelson are here alongside me with our producer, Eric Davidson, on the board. Guys, yesterday was as amazing as I pretty much hoped it would be. It was pretty incredible. It was a lot of fun. There was a lot of really good stuff. I think we had all talked for a long time about being unsure of what was going to happen and kind of what team we had. Um, I know from outside people I know that went to the game, they reached out to me and said that might have been the most fun game they've ever been to besides a playoff game. And so I just it felt like everybody really enjoyed the product they saw in the field and, and just the atmosphere at U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday. Yesterday was the best case scenario for everyone involved. You win your home opener and then you beat the Green Bay Packers in convincing fashion and you are atop of the division with that win. Of course, the Bears won, but we're not worried about them right now. We don't have to worry about those guys till week five. So it was very well put what Jay just said. And um, being that this is you know, the first home game with fans and the season opener for the Green against the Green Bay Packers, um, everything just went as planned. Um, the, the show was great. The skull chant was back. Um, the skull chant is one of those things that never gets old for me. So just hearing it in full effect yesterday, I, I don't really have many negative things to say. So I was excited just to see us come out on top and um, ultimately have some confidence going forward. I got to say, as a sidebar, did Chicago actually win a football game, or were they doing a relay race on Slip the and slide contest? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, I, I can't, I can't say enough about the atmosphere yesterday. The fans brought it. It was my first game, staying till the bitter end, and it was nice to not be sweating there as much towards the end as I guess um, we had been last season. Uh, I had one new player, uh, a veteran, one of our off-season additions. I ran into his family on the way out. And just kind of started talking to him, and they were like, the beginning of the game. He teared up talking about this player's dad. And I was like, and he was, he, the dad looks at me, he's like, I mean, the music and the visuals and everything going on, the fans. He's like, yeah, I definitely teared up. Just to hear fans that are new, that have been in an NFL experience before, have such a reaction to what was going on really kind of hit home, especially I know for our game press guys here, that um, that you can make something that emotional happen to watch their son run out, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it was just really, really neat. Um, so many celebrities in the house. T-Pain was amazing. Um, Mitchell Tenpenny beforehand. I mean, it really just was an absolute affair from morning to, to night. There's a reason why the Minnesota Vikings were voted the best game presentation in all of sports. And yesterday just proved that again to pretty much kudos to everyone involved. I'm not going to start naming names because I, I know I'll forget some, but Jay Notes and you're part of that. Eric Davison, Tatum, you're part of that also. 
Um, there, there's so many things that goes into that experience that we do it for, or put it this way, there's so many people that we want to make happy on game day, at least 66,000 every single week. And the fact that you could at least have one of those people uh, provide that experience that they were, you know, brought to tears, um, that, that, that's kind of full circle for a lot of us because, I mean, that's why we get paid. What we do is to, to make those experiences, those lifetime memories for people who are able to visit the game. So I'm just excited that it ended in a win, right? Like you, Ooh, you, yes. you hate for Vikings fans to be All crying that to about, happen, yeah. and then you kind of are sad at the end. Right, so. it's, I was up on the third level towards the end of the game when it, it was pretty much all but decided that, that uh, the Vikings would take this one. And <laughs> I just remember being on the escalator going down and seeing this Packer fan in wide receiver gloves, of all things. I'm just not sure why he is wearing Were gloves. Were uh, You know, I didn't pay that close of attention because um, he was too busy banging the elevator, punching it in, in anger, and his wife was looking at him like, can you please stop? You are embarrassing me. Why does it matter that much? Like, it's week one. It's fandom, man. Oh, I also saw two Packers fans embracing and crying. I mean, they were, like, probably a couple, so, like, it wasn't that weird. But still, I'm like, same thing. Like, didn't you guys get beat 38-3 to last season and have a fine year? Like, like, we'll get to this later on. I I have something to say about this later on. But, like, this will be the last – like, this this will be the worst we see the Packers this season. So, like, guys, come on. For me, it it's, it is the – I don't think that losing ever makes it okay just in general, but I think when it comes to week one, it is the most panic mode, uh, <laughs> euphoria, overblown yeah. week possible for fans because you've been waiting and anticipating for six-ish months to get back to this date. And, you know, I, I feel for the teams and the, the fan bases right now that are dealing with major players with major injuries and things like that, just like the panic and the, the level of, of either panic from those kind of things and the losses to the excitement of we're going 17-0 and 0 and making a run in the playoffs <laughs> kind of attitude. And, yeah. and, and I know that, you know, from the people that I was with, like I said, they were really excited and happy about the way it went. Um, but I feel like for, for fans, you know, they said all the Vikings fans stayed. Everybody cleared out that wasn't wearing purple and white and purple and gold. And, and I just feel like, you know, those are the, the moments that those fans have been desperately wanting and looking to embra- embrace. And, and doing what we did yesterday, not only as a team, but like you were just talking about before, the atmosphere and everything to bring that kind of that, that atmosphere, the excitement and the memories that it did. That is our goal. That is our, our goal. We have. 10 events a year, essentially, that we get to do this and enjoy it for our fans. We want to make it as memorable as possible. You know, find a way to get people out of their houses in front of their, you know, giant screen TVs and actually put them in a seat, high-fiving a stranger next to them and really enjoying what we do. And that's why we love it and why we put so much time and effort into doing it. And hopefully we get many more games like this and many more wins like this for the rest of the season. I think it's safe to say um – we don't need to play any more games this year. Yeah, it's over. We beat the Packers week one. Yeah. A couple of concerts. Yeah, I, to- I told my, I told like, Let's just finish on a high I note. I forgot who I told. I was like, you know, at least the honeymoon period is an extra week now. Yeah, Eric and I were <laughs> just talking about this before uh, you guys got in here. We were like, I guess the honeymoon just gets gets extended another week. That's okay. Week. I'll I'm take okay. it. I am perfectly fine. I'll take a 17-week like honeymoon. I'll take yeah, that. I'll take a 21-week honeymoon <laughs> <That> <laughs> at that go. point. 
So, there we go. Yeah, but I'm, I'm excited we were able to get back on the right foot. I was reading, a, I guess, a, a tweet earlier today, and it said, this is the first time in 987 days or 978 days that the Vikings have been plus 500. So this is, this is a good start. It's a really good start. Take whatever positive things you can say, get. I was going to say, as positive as that it. was, it just also sounded a little negative at the same time. Hey, at moral <laughs> victories, we will take them here inside of TCOPC. I got you. Well, the Vikings did make a statement 23-7 to season opening win over the three-time defending NFC champs, the Green Bay Packers. It was a total team effort. The offensive explosion, a defensive stalwart, and a special teams show. Before we dive into some analysis, some more analysis at least, let's get to our 3M play of the game. Ball game's on the line. Aaron Rodgers needs to convert this fourth and one to keep hope alive. Empty backfield. Vikings fans roaring. Play clock down to two. Rodgers lifts his right leg, takes the snap. Fires to the end zone. Incomplete. Looking for Robert Tunyon. Great defense by Eric Kendricks to break up. Now that's the dagger for Green Bay. Turnover on downs. Vikings football with just three minutes and 45 seconds left. Well, that was the second of two fourth down stops in the red zone paired with two forced turnovers. It was a solid first outing for Ed Donatel's defense. Yeah. That's what we like to see. That's what we love to see. Anytime Aaron Rodgers can finish a game cries? with no – Yeah, <laughs> cries. Any, yeah, that too. Or any – like anytime <laughs> – anytime Aaron Rodgers' chin strap is on the top of his head, I, I am a, a happy person. And um, at Donatel, his first game as a Minnesota Vikings defensive coordinator, he should be very, very proud of his guys. I think the fun thing about it too was thinking about last season, how many games you just had to get a stop and couldn't, let alone we got two big ones yesterday. That felt really fun, um, just seeing them really click and just to see the emotion even on that play with Eric Hendricks when he, you know, jumped up and kind of did the flex. You know, you knew that he was really, really excited about what just happened and knew the the significance of that play. So yeah, it was a great play. It was awesome. That is our 3M play of the week from the field to the roof and everywhere in between. 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings, is here. Visit vikings.com backslash skull science to learn more. All right, so let's dive into this next part. I, I really wanted to dive deeper into this first victory and talk about one thing you liked and one thing that needs improvement. So, Jay, yes. would you like to take the honors of going first? What is one thing you liked? Uh, for me, it was the level of aggression on both sides of the ball. These guys were flying around the field, going bananas. Defensively, they were attacking. Uh, you saw Zadarius in the backfield multiple times, and they just got pressure on Aaron and made him uncomfortable there a lot, mm-hmm. um, especially towards the back end of the game. You could just tell he was feeling, you know, kind of feeling the footsteps that were coming up behind him um, and kind of making some quick decisions that were bad decisions. Uh, they got four sacks, three pass deflections, a fumble recovery, and a pick. Those are those are some great, great numbers defensively. So it was fun to see that in that game against the Green Bay Packers. All right, Gabe, one thing that you liked out of this game. I know there's so many to choose yeah, from. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with our with our guest of the show, um, Mr. Chandon Sullivan. I thought he played a really solid game um, overall, putting his head in, making tackles, a um, couple of pass deflections, like Jay said. It, it, it's like he was a step ahead of everyone else, and granted, that was probably because he played for the Green Bay Packers, and uh, his level of excitement and emotion of playing against his former team, he probably studied the playbook and watched him a little bit 
longer this past week leading up to the game. And so, seen a couple of things he's seen before. I think I think he did see a couple of the last three years, hopefully. Yeah. But now <laughs> you would hope so. yeah. he seems like a smart guy. <laughs> yeah. And he's a communicator. So that communication helped all the other cornerbacks and the other safeties on the defensive side of the ball. And I think, you know, the defensive side of the ball is complimentary football. If you can get a good pass rush, the secondary could be able to make some plays back there. If the secondary uh, makes a couple of plays in the back, that gives uh, the defensive lineman um, a couple of more seconds to get to the quarterback. So I, I really think Chandon Sullivan did a really good job. And my last comment on this is the cornerback position is similar to offensive lineman. If you don't hear their name, that's a good that's a good sign. And we didn't hear Chandon Sullivan's name all day yesterday. So uh, kudos to him. Such a great point that you bring up because Ed Donatel – defense frustrated Kirk a little bit in practice he was always saying I'm done trying to figure them out because they always look the same and it seemed like the way that they started out in their base and were able to confuse Aaron Rodgers who is one of the best to ever do it was something that really worked in their favor and you got to think that you know heading into the second border battle of the year Aaron's going to be looking in that and trying to decipher that once again so you know if you can if you can do that this time and somehow replicate it the next time that could be really successful for this team that to me I think is the biggest if moment yeah. uh, going into week two where week one we had the advantage of literally showing nothing on offense and defense going into this game for game planning against us. And now that we at least have a game out there, I'm curious to see what Philly's going to do, especially with it going into the Monday night game. But I, I that's the way it's going to be moving forward is as long as you kind of keep people on their toes and, and try to keep switching stuff up week to week, you just have to, you know, teams are going to take a, a good chunk of the season to try to figure out who are we and what are we really trying to do on both sides of the ball. It takes about two or three weeks for a team to really figure out their identity and vice versa when you're game planning for that team. So in opposition to last year where, you know, we lost some close ones to start the season off, like right now I'll, I'll take three or four wins Heck before yeah. a team Absolutely. figures us out. I mean, that that you, you never know when you'll need those wins later on in the year. So uh, to your point, Jay, of when teams start to figure us out, hopefully we're, you know, 3-0 and or 4-0. and I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but we, we can get some of those close wins and – use them for, you know, insurance or um, momentum going into the late, latter portion of the season. All right. Tatum, who's your uh, – well, who's the one thing you like this week? Ooh, guys, I feel like this is obvious and we haven't even talked about it yet. Mr. Jefferson. You know I'm going to go with Justin yeah. Jefferson. Kevin O'Connor. <laughs> I was going to go with Kirk Cousins and I was like, okay, no, because this is the thing. I, more than anything this year, and especially after this game – not only am I rooting for Vikings wins, I'm rooting for a Vikings MVP. And I am on this new like campaign. Not that I feel like I'm the only, like I'm not like inventing the reinventing the wheel. Can we or get something. Michael Irvin on the show with you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so because I want to look at Michael Irvin in the eyes and say, look, I get that Kirk Cousins can have an MVP season, but it's gonna be Justin Jefferson if it's gonna be somebody on this team. Because as well as Kirk played last night, you're talking about JJ's career night. He is going, like, at this rate, he's going to well surpass Randy Moss's 2,000-yard record. Now, I get that it's just this week. He's not going to have 184 yards every week. Says who? I'm joking. <sighs> the Sorry. realist in me. <laughs> the realist says this. Um, but this kid, every time he says something like, 
You're not going to tell me I'm going to have a sophomore slump. I'm going to be better. You're going to see that I'm going to be the best receiver in this league. Every time he says something like that, he follows through. And for him to come out and like, I I just, uh, you can hear it. I struggle with like, how was he so open? It was just a beautiful situation. He's my player of the game. He was my one thing I really, really liked. This is where I start my campaign. Justin Jefferson for MVP, first wide receiver to ever do it. If I win, what do I get? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Miller White. Big piece of cake. I'll right. bring it. I feel, I'll bring I feel it. like I need yeah. to put money on that the, right the, now or something. Of host if I was a gambling week. lady, I'd put some money on it. But it, you can tell I, I'm getting really excited because I, I really, really, really love the idea of him being the first. Yeah, it'd be great. Uh, I know that we've had a lot of talented wide receivers on this team in I the know. past. And what the MO typically turns into is, Everybody game planning saying this will not happen. I know. And if we have to stick three players on this player, we're going to make everybody else. But eat. where was that yesterday? Why didn't the Packers think that was a thing? And I got to give. Sorry, to, Jay, to I answer, don't no, no, no. Your answer your question is right. Kevin O'Connell and and Wes Phillips. Their game planning of moving JJ to multiple spots on the field and not making him a true slot receiver or a true running back or a true outside receiver, that, that made a huge difference in the game. You couldn't double-team him. And all the motions, I believe we motioned over 50% of the time yesterday, and all those motions made their defense shift. So you couldn't double-team Justin Jefferson. So to your point of, like, how is this guy so open? Yeah, that's still the question because it's like no matter where you this offense is, you should still have somebody <laughs> on him at all times. So, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I hope he does win Maybe MVP we should make shirts. Also. Can I? I make shirts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's do it. I'm telling you, like, if he is in the running down the stretch, and, and I and I say this because, like, I get triple crown wide receiver couldn't even win the MVP last year. Sure, I get that. Yeah, it's an MVQB award. It is, and and I totally understand that. And I don't mean to maybe maybe this is a bit of a controversial take. I don't think it's controversial. This might just be a little bit of a weird take, but like, so much of that is like what's popular, what is out there, like Cooper Cup rose from like a very small role right like he kind of just like splashed onto the screen jj's been this like guy that everyone's embedding on and i'm not saying it's a popularity contest it, but it is but i though. do feel like because of who he is the the effect that he has on the league the respect the, the gritty the gritty like that kind of notoriety like being the face of a franchise like cooper cup's not the face of his franchise justin jefferson you could argue is the face of the vikings when you see national clips of like plays of all teams jj is the one viking in there dalvin is the one viking in there that's who's in there so for me that also kind of ups the ante because if someone were to do it as a receiver it's jj the hard part about that, though, is that if the rest of the offense is humming, you know, there is somebody getting him that ball. Oh, and that, I know. And that, but to me, like, that's where the whole quarterback bias yeah. when it comes to that kind of stuff. I've thought about guys like, you know, DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones and even your Randy Moss in, in New England. When those guys were on fire and, and just blowing out records, even then they were they were in the hunt, but they weren't necessarily hitting that that. Uh, peak of yeah, getting that hard. kind of recognition mm -hmm. and and it's because they look at it in totality of you know the quarterback is the one that's able to basically run that offense and get them that ball and they have to be able to put them in those positions the flip side of that is Justin being a young superstar right now is on the rise and I just remember when you know Diggs and Thielen were here and they were doing what they were doing where Diggs was going crazy and then Bill Belichick 
literally put bracket coverage on him for an entire game and shut him out to, I think it was like 40-some yards in that game, Thielen then turns around and, you know, has triple digits. And I just, I feel like given the way that things went on Sunday, you know, KJ got in there a little bit. You saw Johnny Munt in there a little bit. Um, I just feel like there are going to be so many weapons here that the coaching staff is going to say, yeah, we want to get them their touches and get them their numbers, but we want the W. And we're going to do it in any way that we can, which is going to be putting everybody else in position to, to make some plays. And so I mean, I, that's the I, rational point it of is, view. And I'm, and I'm that's me. A, I'm just want to be an irrational person. I'll right be now. the wet blanket on that one <laughs> and just be the irrational or be the rationality on that. Okay, but if he wins, yeah. will you wear a shirt that says I'm a wet blanket? Oh yes, <laughs> I'm a web. I will blanket. wet blanket. Wet. Oh yeah, now you get it. One hundred percent. I will do okay. that. Why? I'm gonna make it. You heard it here. Why? Because Justin Jefferson won the MVP. Yeah, I uh-huh. will be ecstatic about All that. All right, the last non QB to win the MVP. You know who he was? Ooh. It was a running back. It was a running back who Adrian played for the Minnesota Peterson? Vikings. Yeah. Yep. And and what did it take that season for him to get that MVP? It took him literally carrying the offense of this team on his back for the entire season. And it got to the last game of the season where he almost had to break the NFL record in rushing in order for him to finally solidify himself as an MVP. So, like, that is how difficult that is. I get it. That's why I feel – but I feel like J- – But but that's the thing. It literally – like, that is how heavily the scales are weighted. Oh, I – but like, I get it. I get thing. it. But I'm starting my – last year, midseason, I was like, I think Kirk Cousins could have an MVP season in yards. I, look, some of my takes are dumb. I get They're it. Not, but I want this to happen. I, but that's the thing. I'm I, manifesting it, Jay. Let me manifest. I'm just kidding. Do it. For sure. <laughs> I, I'm I'm there with you. To be if, really fair, I had no intentions of going on this MVP tirade while bringing up one thing I liked. I was just going to talk about Justin, and then I just took it somewhere I didn't even think I was going to. You and the other 60,000 people yeah. yesterday <laughs> were chanting MVP. I did so like that. I that's did the like thing. the chant. Like, I think everybody yep. is excited, and we so should all enjoy it. So there are more delusional 60. folks okay. out there other than myself. That does make me feel better yeah there's a i feel like every minnesota native that's a vikings fan that's like under their age of like i'm not even gonna use age but every vikings fan in minnesota right now is probably cheering for jj for mvp oh, every, for sure everyone so. for sure all right well we did talk about the good stuff let's talk about something that needs improvement you know it was a total team effort it was what i described a little bit earlier but obviously week one there's going to be a couple mistakes a couple of things where we're going to have to shore up in order to continue being a success. And obviously that takes place on Monday against the Eagles, who got a win over Detroit in a close one. But that's a stacked team that made a lot of really, uh, I would say, intentional, since we used that word earlier in the podcast, very intentional moves that I think are one of the better off seasons as far as free agency and a draft goes. So we're going to get to that a little bit later in the week in our MVP episode. But what is something that the Vikings need to improve on? What is one thing they need to improve on, Jay? One thing that stood out to me, at least it was early in the game, and it felt like as the game went on, you started to see it evolve a little bit more, and and it really started to pop. But for me, it was like open field run blocking for Dalvin and and, uh, Alexander Madison. Um, there were a couple times where they were trying to get to the outside edge and, you know, they're kind of running into the back of their blockers or kind of tripping up on on feet and those kind of things. I think when it comes to those types of pieces in an offense, that is something that evolves with time, um, kind of getting used to how fast the guys get out there, how are you going to set up your blocks, 
you know, what are we going to do if we're going to bounce it inside or out? There was just a couple of times where I really noticed, uh, you know, there was a cut inside instead of out. It felt like they could have housed another 5, 10 yards off the run. I just, small things like that, like we are nitpicking down to things like open field run blocking, at least on my end, as something small that I, I, I'm super excited about what I saw yesterday, especially later in the game. You saw Delvin and those guys get into the outside edges, but it just feels like when it comes to either throwing screen passes or, or getting guys on the edge, um, something like that's going to evolve with time with new guards and, and new guys out there on the offensive line. Yeah, I agree. Um, it, it is very nitpicky, but that's what the topic calls for. So th- there, there is always room for improvement in, in everything. And I feel like if this is something that we can fix, like something small like this that we can fix going into Philadelphia, that takes Dalvin from a 90-yard game to a 150-yard game. Sure. So those little small details help downfield blocking helps a ton and that's something that I mean no wide receiver really likes doing but it's something that's needed and I got to give JJ kudos uh, yesterday because I, I remember talking to him off camera like a year ago and I was like man like how tough is it to block downfield and he made a comment and I was just like okay I get it and you saw him doing that yesterday and I was like okay this is a guy that really wants to win those are the little things though that will help a guy like him be recognized even more if you're out there running routes and catching passes, that's great. But when they put on the film and you're not involved in the play, but you are making plays happen because of those small things like that, those are ridiculously critical, and you will get kudos for that. MVP. That is correct. MVP. Why not? Just kidding. Gabe, <laughs> okay, what about you? What's one thing you think? There's someone in Wisconsin saying it's only week one. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's called overreaction week, right? Absolutely. That is Embrace very it. true. That is very. Is that probably, what it's called? I don't know what it's actually called. Don't no, they I'm, call it like? You probably got another week. No, like, I think overreaction week. That's totally fine. Yeah. yeah. If yeah. JJ goes for 185 on Monday, I'll, I'll be chanting MVP with you okay. on this show. <laughs> I'll make you a shirt. All right. We'll still put Jay in a Enjoy wet the bandwagon. Shirt. Just kidding. Blanket. I'll be walking behind <laughs> the, behind the bandwagon, ready to jump on at any point. Okay. Yeah. Jay, I know you're going to be captain of it, <laughs> and that's totally fine. But you know, and, and I get it. I get it. I get it. I, I, yeah, I get it, Jay. Um, you've been a, a Vikings fan for. I mean, just listen to our previous podcast this summer, and you you'll understand why Jay is making the comments the way he is I'm, now. I get it. I am. I am. Doing... History is against him, though. In yeah. all seriousness. Yeah. So I get it. Um, I'm just gonna sit here and you know chime up the band, though. Keep going. Be the ringleader. One thing I think the Vikings need to improve. Yeah, on. Yeah, get us back on set. Um, <laughs> this is like very, very like small, well, like niche. And if you're not a football nerd, you probably should just skip ahead the next three minutes. But tight end blocking was something that I think needs to improve immensely. Um, Kirk Cousins got hit eight times yesterday. He got sacked once. The one sack that he gave up, uh, Johnny Munt missed his block. Um, and, and and I got to give those guys a little bit of grace in the same breath because you're, you're asking a, a tight end to block a premier pass rusher in Rashawn Gary or Preston Smith. So other teams are going to look on the film, though, and going to turn the film on and say, okay, well, we're going to put whenever we're lined up and our the tight end is lined up beside the tackle with his hand on the ground uh, before he goes out in the route on third down, we're just going to put our best pass rush. If I'm the Philadelphia Eagles, I'm putting Hassan Reddick right over top of Johnny Munn or Ben Ellison or whoever and basically saying we're pass rushing right to this guy. Uh, on film, they you know gave up a lot of sacks or a lot of pressures. And uh, sometimes in the run game where, Jay, to your point of like downfield blocking, well, if the running back can get downfield, 
I feel like he'll have a better opportunity of gaining those yards. And I'm sure Ben Ellison and Johnny Munn, even Irv Smith Jr., Jr., who only played 19 snaps yesterday, he's probably looking at the film and basically saying, okay, I'm going to take on this challenge and provide the running back with opportunities to make big plays because ultimately that makes me get more touches when we do play-action passing. So um, that's just a, a small thing I need this. I think this Vikings offense needs to, to work on um, after watching film earlier today. But this is – it's only week one. Like this is something that's an easy fix, and stuff like this is all technique. And maybe it's something that they they adjust. Maybe they'll they'll double team with the tight end and a tackle to um, help offset the pass rush. But uh, that was something that when I turned on the film, I was like, okay, this is why certain plays are a five yard run versus a twenty five yard run. So yeah. To me, those those kind of things are the reasons why everyone always talks about defense being ahead of offenses at the beginning of a season, mm-hmm. and these are and that was the same thing like with with my down open field blocking type thing. It's the same kind of thing. It's just timing yeah. and getting used to who you're working with. Yeah, I mean that was kind of going along with what I think we need to improve on, which you guys have kind of targeted the reason why. Mine was more like just the, the numbers, the big picture of it all. Like you can't be 30% on third down normally and win a game. That's just not something that will really do it for you down the line when you're in a much closer game. You know, they did win the turnover battle. I mean, not well, they did win the turnover battle, but you they did win third down, but it just doesn't feel right when it's 4 of 13, right? So I think um, you, you're 1 of 3 in the red zone. Like this 30% number is kind of haunting them this game, and you hope that maybe by focusing on – a couple of things you guys just talked about is how you take a step forward and you up that moving forward because this Philadelphia team is is really good. I mean, they put up 38 points. They're not going to shy away from their quarterback who is mobile. They have A.J. Brown now. They um, have Devontae Smith, but he's on my fantasy team and he got zero points, so I don't really know what's up with that. But there's a Hopefully lot of weapons on week. there. Huh? Hopefully it stays that way this yeah, week. Yeah, I'll take that this week. I can take another <laughs> L there. put him on the bench. Put him nah, on the bench. You'll be fine. But you know what I mean. They just like, they're, they're, they're going to be another challenge another a different type of challenge so. question Answer. so you have justin Je- do you have justin jefferson on your fantasy team in one of my leagues okay. yes right. i mm-hmm. thought you only had one team and then you I have picked two Devontae leagues. Smith over. i was like you can't be chen mvp i have two leagues no justin's in my league um with actually like fellow nfl team reporters funny enough nice um we're in like a group of a group of us and in that one jj's on my team so do you if you work for the team can you pick other people well from i other had teams? the third pick but yeah, I had the third pick, and that just seemed very logical. And everyone was like, oh, you should have picked a running back, blah, blah, blah. I was like, sorry, I'm picking Justin Jefferson. I feel like I might have some insider information on how good he's going to be. I don't. <laughs> I have a team called the Louisianimals, and I just wanted to put people from Louisiana on it. There so that was kind of how I went. You'll be successful doing that. Joe Burrow's my quarterback. Sure. Shocker. <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> Putting the band back together. The LSU That's what, I was, do- that's what I was doing. So anyway, but yeah, so I, I'm excited to play Philly. Um excited for this Monday night game. I know someone else who's going to be excited about that contest, and that is Chandon Sullivan. He joins us on this episode of MVP to talk about the big win over his former team, the Packers. <laughs> Our guest inside this edition of MVP made his Vikings debut last night. Chandon Sullivan, and we called it today as you walked in, Victory Monday. How are you feeling? I feel great. This is amazing. Uh, To finally play somebody else instead of practicing against ourselves and then beat the Packers, you can't ask for nothing else. 
Did it feel like you were playing against somebody else, understanding that you used to play for the Green Bay Packers? It's like yes and no. Okay. It was weird because like I'm used to going against the Packers offense, being on the team, you know, playing right. them in practice, but then now it's in a different jersey. So it felt kind of surreal at first, but it all, you know, ended well. That's what was it like to be, I guess, on the other side of this rivalry? Felt good. It was like kind of like a villain in a way. I was like, I know a lot of people didn't like we came over here, but I feel like me and Zadir, you right at home. So, man, that um, I'm just thinking of the one play yesterday, right, where it was it was like a little pick route. Randall Cobb <laughs> yeah. tried to pick you, and uh, Christian Watson was coming on a little quick mm-hmm. route, and you, I wouldn't say you jumped the route, but mm-hmm. you, it's like you knew what they were going to run. Yeah. You, you, honestly, you should have picked that ball off. Yeah, and I thought I was going to have to pick. You know, I saw it on film, and I tried to disguise it like I didn't know what was going on by taking a step back, and then I just shot it. Mm-hmm. And I shot it so fast that the receiver didn't even know I was there. So Randall Cobb, being the vet he is, he grabbed my left arm, so I mm-hmm. couldn't really – pull it in all the way but that would have been so sweet and just would have been icing on the cake but you know it'll be more opportunities yep. yeah I was wondering how much that was playing in your mind after you left the stadium oh yesterday my God, that's all I was hearing about from my dad my family I was like you almost had it but I'm like you know it'll come back around it always does so so your family they they pretty much travel they're going to try to oh, yeah, travel to pretty much sure. every they'll game. Be pretty much every game this season you know? nice and being that you know, you were in Green Bay. It's not mm-hmm. like they are afraid of the cold anymore, right? Oh, no. They're not afraid of the cold. They love it. You know, they say I look better in purple than mm-hmm. the home games in the dome. You know, it just it all works out. I was going to say, they probably are um, very happy that there's a dome on top For of sure. the stadium sure. when we get into those winter months. But, you know, it was a lot of talk about you and Zadarius mm-hmm. facing your former team this week. And, and not only that, but you had months to sit there mm-hmm. and think about this game. What was it like the week of leading into yesterday's game it was just a lot of anticipation building up you know we just couldn't wait you know I was trying to sit and play in my head how I'm gonna feel on game day am I gonna be nervous am I gonna be anxious am I gonna be excited and I was just excited you know the game felt slow motion for a lot of us guys so that just shows that we were prepared and you know the coaches put us in the best position at this point of your career what does your mental preparation look like asking because there's we had um Harrison Phillips on a couple of weeks ago and he just talked about as he gets older things change like he doesn't work as hard but he works smarter so what does that look like you mentally he hit it right on the head you know now you got to learn to listen to your body you know I may not have to do as many sprints but now I watch way more film I know how to watch film and and dissect it and I do a lot of visualization you know just manifesting these plays and seeing it before it happens so when you get on the field it slows down you know it's kind of weird it's like an out-of-body experience but that just shows how I'm getting older. Hey, you bring up the slow motion of the game. How much of that, or what, what was there this offseason that maybe you guys worked on the most that really helped slow yesterday's game down in particular? I think since just day one in OTAs, you know, having the whole team here and installing a new defense, we just was clicking even in OTAs. And then we had joint practices where we was able to go live against other teams. So when we got in the game yesterday, it was it was natural. Like, it was just easy. So hats out to the coaches, for real. Man, you you talk about slowing the game down. I remember uh, last year, Chris Boyd he he gave us a, an example of him being in his room with the hat on because uh, Patrick Peterson basically says um, when you wear a hat as a defensive back, basically it trains your eyes to look at the receiver's hips. Very true. So, can you give us an example of what visualization looks like for a nickel cornerback who's in the slot that might have to you know come in and stick his nose in, but also guard? So a lot of times, like, uh, it sounds weird, even though I'm a DB, I watch a lot of run clips because being a slot corner, I have to be in a lot of run fits and gaps. So a lot of times I'll be sitting down watching film and just visualizing, me, okay, I'm going to be in a B gap this play. I have to hit with the, my left shoulder or whatever. You know, so that's what it looks like. And then how Pat P says, playing corner, you have to have great eyes, you know. And they say, you know, see a little, see a lot, see a lot, see nothing. So Pat P hit it right on the head. How are 
are you able to master that? Like as a slot corner, it's a specialized ability. And now with the with a lot of these offenses kind of taking on similar identities and using that a lot more to their advantage. Like how did that become something that you focused on? Well, I knew that was just going to be my role. So, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, master it and uh, getting extra help from the coaches because it's not easy. I think a lot of people don't realize how hard slot corner is because you're like a, a corner, a linebacker, and a safety all in one position. But, uh, you know, I love it. It gets, you know, like show my versatility. Though, so. Well, I mean, understand that you can show your versatility in that role. Like, have you – what examples would you give as far as this is what makes a good nickel cornerback versus an outside cornerback? Like, I mean, no offense to, like, yeah. Pat Peterson or yeah, yeah. Cam Dancer, but, like, what – from, you know, viewing the league, what makes a good nickel cornerback in this league? I think you have to be instinctive. You have to be smart. You have to be able to process information very fast because in the way offenses work these days, it's a whole bunch of motions and shift. So the whole defensive play could change. Your gap assignment could change. Who you're recovering could change so I just feel like the person who can you know process information fast who's instinctive and uh is fearless is going to be a good nickel while hearing this from you it kind of rang true with something that I read the uh read about you that like your journey here is pretty unique first and foremost and I think we should definitely get into that but you were the first ever player to be invited to the senior bowl from Georgia State but more importantly an academic all-american the first one from Georgia State so you're able to process information because you just you seem like it comes naturally to you that you naturally love the mental side of things. Have you always been that way, growing up and uh, going to school and, and taking that part of it, of it seriously? Yeah, I feel like I've always been a you know a bright kid growing up, and uh, you know hats out to my parents too. That's that was their number one thing. They, they didn't ever wanted me to play sports. They wanted me to graduate and make good grades. So that's just something they instilled in me since I was a kid. So I just carried it over into college. They must have been so proud when you had the academic all American. For sure, that's probably like their biggest. You know, accomplishment. Yeah. Or, you know. <laughs> That's, That's all awesome. they care about. I feel like awesome. as parents, you want to make sure that your kid is good mentally first sure. and then you let the football or wherever it's, I mean student athlete that's, the, yep. that's what they call it and uh, the student part of you at Georgia State study what Tatum and I are, are doing right now communications how did that come about and what's the goal with that? Uh, it's funny uh, growing up you know I was very I wouldn't say argumentative but They'll just be like, you're either going to be a lawyer or you're going to be like a, a journalist or something like that one day or be a broadcaster on TV. So I was like, oh, maybe. And then just as I kept growing up, it became like a passion of mine. And, I, you know, I like being in front of the camera. I like speaking uh, and even learning the behind the scenes, editing and, you know, working the camera. So it just when I got to college, I was like, yeah, this feels right. One stop shop right there. It takes a lot <laughs> less school to become a broadcaster than a yeah. lawyer. That yeah. is what sold me yeah. on that. That's what sold me but on like, that. But like a multimedia journalist, right? You said like you can shoot, you can edit, you can stand up. Like I feel like that kind of goes parallel to being a nickel cornerback. Like you have to I be just, able to do it all. Like that. would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. I didn't even think of it like that, but I would agree. How so? Because you just said you're showing the different facets that you you know put into one craft. Same thing with you know, playing nickel. I'm playing like a safety. I'm playing a corner, and I'm playing you know nickel, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I got to bring this up, uh, Tatum, because um, okay. I know Chan is not going to bring this up. Uh, 2016. Okay. My Liberty Flames went down. Oh Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll be went, went down to the Georgia Dome. Yeah, that was a tough game. 41-33. That game was a really good game, but I, I feel like that kind of symbolized your college career. You know, being in close games, yeah. fighting to the end. Of course, you're not gonna win every game, but ended up, you know, learning something. For sure. What did you know your college experience teach you about where you are right now in your career? 
uh, like you said, I knew what I was getting myself into going to Georgia State. It was a new program. It was going to have its ups and downs. But I'm just happy to say I left my mark on the program when I left. You know, like you said, I was able to be the first at a lot of things and, uh, you know, leave the program on a bowl game win. You know, that was the first in school history. So I, I knew it was going to be challenging. And, we, you know, we lost a lot of games. And some seasons we won barely any. But we went out on the right note. And that's that's what I wanted to be remembered for. Were you playing at the time? No, nah, that was the year I graduated. Gotcha. So I, I was like, uh, man, that would be rich if we had two of you right here. <laughs> but I remember uh, being on the sideline because I was that was my first year out of college. Yeah. So I was on the sideline recording, making sure everything was good. And I was just like, man, like who is that dude? Like, <laughs> and it was you. And we had we had a receiver. His name was I don't want to start name dropping on yeah. here, but we had a, a really good receiver really that was uh, yeah. All American the year before, yeah. and Channing Channing shut him there down. So I got to give him that. Man. That's awesome. Feels so long. What ago. a flashback, huh? <laughs> no, but I remember that game though. No, but I, I love hearing that you like took a chance on Georgia State and it paid off for you and you and you made a place better than where you left it. You take the next step, undrafted free agent, practice squad first year, and now you're a starter in the NFL. I mean, to wrap your head about around what you've done in the last four years, what sticks out the most to you as to why you're successful? Uh, I never flinched. You know, I've been through pretty much everything when it comes to getting cut, uh, practice squad, you know. I'm on my third team in five years, so I've been through everything. But I, you know, I just have a high confidence in myself, and I know if I, you know, put my head down, I work, and I stay healthy, that I can, you know, make an impact in this league for sure. What do you attribute that to? Uh, I just feel like that's my upbringing. You know, I've never had a straight line to, you know, success. I've always been hit with something, whether it's family issues or personal, just always something. But I never quit. So that's why, you know, I try to even tell people in my city, because uh, there's not a lot of people that, you know, go to college and. You know, it's definitely not playing the league, so I just try to show them that it could be done, but you, you just cannot give up. You know, I feel like that's the biggest thing that separates people. You know, stuff is going to happen. That's just life, but don't quit. Just keep going. Something's going to happen. I think that's a lot of what this coaching staff really drove home the last couple sure. of weeks, that you guys are going to reach adversity. You're going sure. to be up against it, and how do you stick together and make it through? Now, week one – it really worked well, but, <laughs> sure. but moving forward, how? What do you think this defense needs to improve on the most? Just never be satisfied. We had a good showing week one, but now we see what the standard is. Can we do that week in and week out? You know, can we limit explosive plays? Can we, you know, rattle the quarterback? Can we get sacks? Can we get turnovers? That's going to be the key throughout the whole season. So, you know, week one was cool, but we got to do it again. Yeah, we got to do it against the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. On, I was about to say Sunday. Got to do it against them on Monday Night Football prime sure. time. I mean, that, you, sure. you only get so many prime time games. Mm -hmm. do, do those games mean a little bit more to you, or is just another game? Uh, honestly, it's like another game because you know, even though we didn't play prime time per se, week one, everybody was watching. You know, Green Bay versus yeah, the it was three twenty five. Yeah. I think yeah. you're on. Yeah. I think they said so, in yeah. every so, household except for like two cities. Yeah, so everybody was watching <laughs> Minneapolis that. and St. Paul. <laughs> no, no, it was like Nashville and something else. So it's really just next game up mentality. You know, whoever's in front of us, we're gonna try to handle them the best we can. So, well, thank you so much for your time, Chandon Appreciate Sullivan, it. for joining us on MVP this week. Best of luck thank this season. Appreciate it. Yeah, Thanks thank you. Me. And hey, maybe we'll see you behind the mic one day. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I'll be back. Sure, <laughs> man, I love it. Well, take your time getting there because we, we we got some a, a lot more games, a lot more years here. Hopefully, with you in the purple and gold. So, I uh, appreciate your time today, man. Appreciate you. Thanks yeah, for thank having me. Thank you so much to Chandon Sullivan for coming on MVP on this Victory Monday when we record. It really was a thrilling time back at U.S. Bank Stadium. The team won't be back there until September 25th when the Vikings host the Lions. 
Up next, I know, sad face. Up next is the first road game of the year, and it's Monday Night Football in Philly against the Eagles. Another episode of MVP will drop on Friday and air on KFAN Friday at 6.30. That will be your preview of Monday's matchup. But Gabe, do you have anything else cooking for us this week? Yeah, so we have the Audible this week. The guest will be Jordan Hicks and Eric Kendricks. Everyone is high on Jordan Hicks right now just due to the fact that he had 14 tackles, he had a sack and a forced fumble, and then Eric Kendricks, who was our 3M play of the week today, um, he's going to be joining his new teammate. And it it was so good just to see those guys playing together. We've seen them all training camp and minicamp. So just having those guys together talking football and also talking to Jordan Hicks about going back playing his former team, the Philadelphia Eagles, Um, If people didn't know, Jordan Hicks played with Eric Kendrick's brother for the Philadelphia Eagles back in the day. And just hearing what he has to say heading back to Philly, that's going to be fun and exciting. And that'll air on KFAN at 6 p.m. on Thursday and Fox 9 uh, late at night at about 10 o'clock, 1030. So make sure you check that out. Um, Be a lot of a lot of fun talking to both of those guys. Yeah, you can see it in audio and video version, which is awesome. They uh the tailgate yes. had its first show and that's what comes on at six thirty after the Audible. And Sai's got a pretty good lineup this week from what I'm hearing. Yeah, it's great. He's got a couple of his really good friends, uh Blake Wexler, who actually does some work with the Philadelphia Eagles, and then Sean Green. They're both great stand-ups. And those guys are just diehard Eagles fans, and so I believe this one's gonna be a lot of crazy fun knowing how much uh, of a hard time they give each other on the regular about their teams. Uh, this will be a lot of fun with these three guys together and having a lot of fun. So uh, check that out, like you said, Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. on KFAN. But there is the podcast version that drops Thursday morning, which is our podcast will be longer and the KFAN version will be um, you know, available for, for that kind of 6.30 to 7 o'clock window on Thursday nights. Both of them available. Just snag it however you can and enjoy it as much as you can. Yeah. Uh, like, subscribe, all that fun stuff, especially for a brand new show. But we got a lot of positive feedback after the first episode, and awesome. we're just going to keep riding it and have some fun. So there's a reason to listen to the podcast. You want more? Absolutely. Listen to the podcast. Sure. I love that about that. Yep. Well, we're excited to have Cy on board and to bring that as a nice backup to the Audible every single week. Uh, another edition of MVP in the books. That happens every single week. We'll be back to, to speak with you guys. That was very formal of me. We'll be back with another episode. We'll be speaking with them, though. We will. We will. At least, hopefully, <laughs> if they haven't disowned me from my MVP take. Um, I know. I don't I don't feel like I'm being controversial. I'm just making a big deal out of it. It's a play on words, though. That was great. Oh, I didn't see. MVP for your MVP take. Oh, I didn't even notice that either. Okay. I'm okay, I'm well, here. I'm still tired from yesterday, guys. So here we are <laughs> signing off on this episode before I have another brain fart. <laughs> Thanks, and I don't want to end the podcast <laughs> on the work part. <laughs> so here I am, signing off. Hey, Vikings fans, number 96 Brian Robison is bringing NYC's cheesiest food stand to U.S. Bank Stadium. Visit Mack Truck Mac and Cheese on Minnesota Vikings game days for a new game time snack.